Summer vacation. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I went to Christoval, drove around the park, came back. Thank you. Let the kids out and play in the playground for a little bit. I don't even remember way, well, way back. I'm, I'm, I'm a pre-seatbelt guy, you know. We used to be in a, can you imagine five kids in a car with their parents, no, no, no seatbelts, going to Corpus Christi from San Angelo. And one of us had to sit or lay on the, the, the place behind the windsh- back windshield, back glass. Yeah, on the floorboard, whatever. We just kind of it created a great environment, i got to tell you. Not. <laughs> so how many of you have been to a theme park this summer? Anybody been to a theme park? Oh, well, not very many of you. You are so fortunate this morning. You're going to get to go on a roller coaster ride. Anybody going on a roller coaster ride? How many of you love roller coasters like me? Yeah. yeah. Come on. How many women like roller coasters? I'm going to give it a shout from the women. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is. You what? Rock the desert. All right. That was awesome, wasn't it? I heard it was great. Well, here's the deal. If you haven't been to a theme park this year and you haven't gotten to ride any rides, we're going to give you a ride this morning on the Rattler. Anybody ever ridden the Rattler in San Antonio, Fiesta, Texas? May of 1992, opening day. I don't know the exact date, but I couldn't find that on Wikipedia. But I found it was opened in May 1992, opening day, the inaugural day, the old Fiesta, Texas. And the word was out. The Rattler was the largest wooden roller coaster in the then-known world. And I took my family to the largest roller coaster in the world. Talk about an out there kind of dad. Had Wes, Wes in 92, you were 16, right? Yeah. And Tressie was 12. I don't know how she managed to, to get the height barrier thing, but she was on the roller coaster. And it was opening day, so there's a lot of, everybody wanted to go to ride that first, right? And so we got in the line, and it was a long line. It was a four-hour line. <gasps> yeah, four hours. After you're there two hours, you're not going to go to another ride. You're not going to get out of the line after two hours. I mean, nobody can go to the bathroom, nothing. You're in a line for four hours. And about two hours through the line, Wes can, if he remembers this, I remember very well, an ambulance pulled up down below to haul somebody off, and we heard by the grapevine that somebody had had a heart attack riding the Rattler. So we said, yes, this is a good ride. Can't wait to get on it now, brother. Woo, it must be fun. It must be scary. And about a little bit longer after that, we heard that it had, and we, we got stalled again in the line. I mean, there was no little TVs to watch and all that stuff. It, we were just in the line. And, and so a little bit later, we, we heard that they had mechanical failure. You know, what you're, you know what you're hoping then? They get it fixed. Because if they were to come, they would have had a riot. If they had said, I'm sorry, the ride's closed. Because we had been there for two, three hours, four hours when we got on that ride. So we got on that first day before it actually was uh, revamped because it was a little too rough. They said too fast. So we got the initial experience of the Rattler. So today, you're going to get the initial, if for some of you, be the first time. Now, if you have a problem with the motion... You know, watching a video and getting caught up and throw up, don't do it. We don't want to have a 
a demon ministry thing, you know, with the, the puking and stuff. So if you have a, really, I'm serious. If you do have a problem with that, just don't watch it. Look away, close your eyes, go to the restroom, something. But at this time, we're going to get you onto the, the Rattler so you can have experience of vacation this summer. Courtesy of Freedom Fellowship. Did y'all understand the word he said? Okay, just one. Now, this is an interactive thing, so if you're brave enough, raise your hands. Get ready for the drop. I'm, on, I'm serious. Come on, raise your hands. Get ready. Simulate worship here. You're praying to God. Help me, Lord Jesus. Why don't I get on this ride? Come on, get with it. Let's get let's get excited about this. Almost to the top. Right about now, you're thinking, "Why did I do this?" Oh. Come on, let's hear the girls scream. I want to hear the girls scream when we come over there, or some of the guys. Here we go. Oh. Uh, I wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Look away if you need to. This is life on steroids. Okay, you can breathe now. Take a deep breath. Living's not going to last long. over and you make it to the end oh. all right y'all did good anybody get sick just a couple i watched several clips trying to find the proper one and i really did i got up went to the, the kitchen i was like Whew, i don't feel so good because like i was right in the screen so how many of you felt like you experienced a ride on a roller coaster kind of it's just a kind of experience, isn't it? See, I really experienced that. How many of you have experienced the Rattler? Come on. You really experienced it. So what, what was missing? The, the G-force, the fear, the elation, the, uh, 
the adrenaline rush. The, yeah, the sounds, the noise, the screams, the saliva, those things coming back at you, uh, your cap flying in the wind, and the, the, the beautiful picture at the end. <laughs> Everybody get that picture? How many fought, fell for it and bought the picture? And you've got it on your bookcase right now, framed in a lovely picture, only 19.95 for a picture of you screaming. So, you know what? Life is a lot like a roller coaster, isn't it? A lot of times you hear about the Christian life being like a roller coaster and there's, the, there's these really spiritual highs and there's, a, you're, there's the going down fast and then there's the low places and then there's the places of calm and there's the places of peace. And, but before you even get to take a breath, there's something else comes your way. There's the next turn, there's the next dip and there's a, the tunnel when you go through the darkness. And, and all of that and on, a, on a roller coaster ride lasts about two and a half minutes. We waited four hours for a two and a half minute ride. Isn't that crazy? And we paid to do that. <laughs> we paid to do that. So I want us to think in relationship to life, uh, about experience. The word, the X word for today is experience. Say experience. experience. Because I believe that God wants you to experience him. Not from a distance, not through a video. He really wants you to experience him in your life. Not for two and a half minutes, but for 24-7. He wants you to experience him. And sometimes we've made life, we've made experiences of worship or being in his presence or his power, all these things that we talk about that we want. We, we really go after them. And sometimes it's that two and a half minute goosebumply feeling, you know, of Jesus, the Holy Ghost feeling. Or it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those worship songs, man, you just feel just God's all over you. But God really, you know, it's more than that. God wants us to experience him all the time. So this is what I want us to see this morning through Scripture, because I know, I, I, how many of you come here and you say, man, I just want to get in His presence this morning. Come on. You just want to get in His presence. And we do that. See, we have a team up here. That, they're called worship leaders. They're, it's a praise team. It's, it's a group of people that we, first and foremost, we want to get into His presence, and we want you to come alongside us to get in His presence so we can experience His glory and His goodness and His majesty and all those things. But if it's only for an hour and a half or two hours on a Sunday morning that you experience God and all of His glory and all of His power, then listen, we have not, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We're not living the way we're supposed to live. So this morning, I want you to just press in with me. If you have the book, The Message, the Bible, in the Message Translation, I'm going to be reading that from that this morning because I believe it touches the, the heart of what I want to share a little bit clearer than in other translations. And it will be on the screen. But if you want to follow along in your other translation, feel free to do so. But we're going to look at this thing about experiencing God because... That can mean a lot of things, okay? How do we experience God? Isn't there a book or a curriculum called Experiencing God? And you look at that, you go, well, how do I experience God? So, because experience, to me, is more than just an eye contact thing or a head knowledge. It's here, okay? It's, it's this, okay? So in, in, uh, we're gonna, I have a five-point message today, so we'll go quickly through it. And... Uh, even this morning, it's some people are having a little bit tough time tracking to the first part. They didn't have so much trouble tracking to the last part. But I know Holy Spirit showed up because people got saved this morning. People got saved this morning. People got delivered this morning. People, I mean, it was, it was powerful. So God's word is powerful. Do you all believe that? No matter what I say, God's word is powerful. Experiencing, the first thing I want you to run, we're going to read and look at is experiencing God's forgiveness. 
If you're a Christian here this morning, if you say Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you have experienced God's forgiveness. Did you know there's a barometer for knowing how that we know that we know that we know that we've experienced his forgiveness? The way we know we've been transformed or transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. And you know very well that eternal life and murder don't go together. So when they talk about murder, they're talking about hate. Not just talking about unnecessarily shooting somebody, killing somebody, running somebody over. They're talking about hate. Pure, undefiled hate. Man, it's a hate that wishes somebody was dead. That's the kind of hate he's talking about here. But I want us not so much to focus on that part of it, but the first part of it, understanding and knowing God's forgiveness, experiencing his forgiveness. Because when you and I experience his forgiveness, the Bible says we've been transferred, say transferred, from death to life, from light to darkness, from being lost to being found, from being blind to seeing. So when we've been transferred by the forgiveness of God, when we, when we accept what he has done for us on the cross and we understand his forgiveness for us, listen, it should change everything about us. It should change everything about us. And if there's anything about this, this sermon that's going to be talking about getting to his presence, it's about who, how we've allowed the, the experiencing God, experiencing his forgiveness and love, and all these other things we're going to talk about this morning. How is that affecting your life this morning? And not only this morning, but tomorrow morning and Friday night and Saturday. And when things aren't going so good in your life and when circumstances come, how are, how are you responding out of God's forgiveness And when somebody, even a Christian brother or sister, does something horrible to you, are you willing to forgive them? Are you willing to love them? Because he says if we've been transferred from death to life, then those are the things that we will do. We will not hold those things against our brother and sister. Man, if you've been transformed to death from death to life, you are not only, uh, the old man's not only been buried, but you have been resurrected and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible says all the old things have been passed away. John 5, 24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, has everlasting wife, life and shall not, everlasting wife, wow, has everlasting life and shall not come to judgment, but has passed from death into life. I want you to understand, guys, some of you, some of you doubt and question your salvation. You think, well, I haven't done enough good things to earn it. Listen, when you come, when you've been transferred from death to life, he doesn't transfer you back to death. Amen. Nowhere in my Bible this says you've been transferred from death to life and then back to death. And then back to life and then back to death. It doesn't say that we've been transferred from death to life. We have already been judged. How, how does that sound? We've, once you accept Jesus Christ as you make him Lord of your life, the Bible says we've already been judged. The only other judgment we go through is for the works that we have done, not for our salvation. Y'all understand that? So when you come, the, the blood of Jesus doesn't come on you and then go off of you. When he says you're sealed until the day of redemption, it doesn't mean you're sealed and you're unsealed when you're bad. Okay? But God's called us and he's, he's ordained us and he's sealed us and he has his great plan for our life. But it starts with understanding forgiveness. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Listen, that is a now word for you today. 
If you know people and you know people that are dead in their sins, they need to be transferred from death to life, and you mightn't be the courier. You might be the catalyst. You might be the vessel. You might be the person that speaks the word to them, that brings life to them because you've spoken the word of God to them, and that word of God has transferred them. Wouldn't you like to be somebody that raises the dead? Because that is the best form of raising the dead that I've ever heard of, is when you get involved. Listen, I've, I've talked to people that have been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years. They've never led one person to the Lord. And I'm not saying that to put a guilt trip on you. It should be a joy. It should be a desire. It should be something you get up thinking about in the morning and praying for. God, put somebody in my path that I can share Jesus with them and see them transformed and and raised from the dead. Yeah, come on. One of the fruits of experiencing God's forgiveness is our attitude toward others. Isn't that true? When you come to the kingdom of God, your attitude about the world and about everybody else should change. It should. If you've experienced his forgiveness, you should be quick to forgive. You have no right to hold on to unforgiveness. No right. You understand that? Okay, second point, experiencing God's love. How many of you like to experience God's love? This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrifices life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just for ourselves or out for ourselves. If you see a brother or a sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. This is John speaking. He said, listen, when you kick somebody off to the side of the curb and God said, no, you need to pick them up. When you have de- when you have hurt somebody that God says, no, you don't hurt them. You help them. Listen, you're kicking them to the curb. And he said, you have made love disappear. You have made love of no avail. And he's talking about agape. Say agape. See, agape love is different than the love that the world talks about. It's not that, oh, I just love you. It's not that kind of love. It's not, I just love ice cream. It's not that kind of love. It's not, oh, I, I, my brother, I, this is my brother. I just love my, it's not that kind of love. I, say, I love my wife. It's not that kind of love. It's the agape love. It's the love that is unending. It's the love that doesn't judge. It's the love that gives without expecting something in return. It's the love that's selfless. It's a love that's by choice. Did you know you can choose to love somebody? God chose to love us. We are unlovely. He said well, our hearts are, are dirty, the Bible says. Our, our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But he chose to love you. He chose to love me. That's agape. It's the kind of love that he puts in our heart. Listen, when you experience God's forgiveness and you experience his love, something should change in your life, church. The fruit of experiencing God's sacrificial love is shown and experienced by how we treat other people not just Christians. The third thing is experiencing God's reality. I, I love this point, I, I, and I like to just read the Scripture, and then we'll get into it. My dear children, verse 18, let us not just talk about love. You know what? Talk is what? Cheap. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love, real agape. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly. How many of you really want to live? Did you know you can live and you can really live? I, I call that first the one that you can just live. That means you can just exist. You can just get by. 
You can just wake up and you can have your Cheerios and you can go to work or you can go to school or you can lay around the house and I don't know what it is and you can have lunch and then you can do your afternoon thing. Then you can have dinner if so if you so choose and then you can watch TV and you can go to bed and you can repeat the process every day, every day, every day. That is just existing. That's not truly living. You know what? That's what dead people do. They just don't really live. Really. But if we are truly living, life should be and life should matter. Every moment should matter. That's when we talked about being thank, thankful this morning. We should, we should wake up in the morning. Thank you, God, that I had the breath to, to breathe this morning. Thank you, God, that I had the ability to get out of bed, even though I don't walk as well, you know, straight as I used to. Thank you for letting me get up. Man, we need to start being th- more thankful for who God is and what he's done in our lives. Because, listen, we have moved. When we move into the kingdom of God, the reality changes for us. Life's reality should change for you. You should live in a different way. I'm, pro- I'm telling you, when the kingdom comes in, when God comes in, Holy Spirit comes in, your circumstances that would, would buffalo and would stop somebody in the world, somebody that's lost, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, and they start making decisions based upon their flesh because that's all they know. Listen, we have a different way to look at things, don't we? Shouldn't we? He says we're seated in, in, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I used to go, what in the world does that mean? I'm here, Lord. No, you're there. How can I be there? But I'm here because I'm physical. I'm a human being. He said, but my spirit resides in you and you're in, yours in mine. And he's there. So what does that mean? For me, it meant God gave me a different perspective, a way to look at life. Because I look at things differently than I used to look at things. Because I have different eyes. I have the eyes of Christ. He wants us to look at people in a different way. That the world might say they're unlovely. You would say, God, that's a per- you have a plan for that person's life. They might say that they're broke. They're not going to bring any money. I, I remember being in a church. They said, let's don't have a college program because college kids don't bring any money into the church. Duh. My goodness, what, a, what kind of thinking is that? They're valuable. Every person is valuable. You know, this, this thing over the police and the, the people that have been killed, this thing coming out, life matters. Every life matters. White, black, brown, yellow, cherry, red. I don't care. Everybody matters because everybody's been created by God. Muslims matter. Jews matter. Hindus matter. Buddhists matter because God created them. Right? The embryo, God created. It's not an embryo, it's a baby. God created. Life matters. And we need to start changing our perspective. If we're we're looking through God's eyes and his reality, guys, everything changes. He says it's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater. Listen, I love this verse. For God is greater than our worried hearts, and he knows more about us than we do ourselves. You know what he's talking about there? Listen, the enemy will always come and try to bring doubt and confusion into your life. If you're living for Jesus, if you're walking in the Spirit and you're living by the Spirit, the enemy is going to be standing there knocking at the door all the time trying to get you to do something that God wouldn't want you to do. And when you fail, when you stumble, when you fall, which we all do, right? The enemy's there to point his finger at you, but God is greater. God is greater than those thoughts that put us down and we start self-condemning. All these thoughts that come to us and God is greater than those thoughts. And he reminds us whose we are. I am a child of the king. I'm I'm a child, blood-bought child of the king. I'm an heir of God. I am the righteousness of Christ. 
Man, I am a son. I'm adopted son of the Most High God. You're adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. Should we live more like princes or should we live like paupers? Because sometimes our mentality is a pauper mentality. And I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking about the way, way we pray, the way we live, the, the, way, the, way, the, the places we go, the things that we do. We live with a pauper mentality. And God's given us, he said, my reality is different than that, Harold. My ways are higher. My ways are higher. I used to look at that scripture as a way, as a, as a way out. The way I, so I couldn't, I could justify being wrong. <laughs> because God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know what? We can just give up. So, yeah, they sure are, God. I guess I can't do the, uh, just there. I'll leave you up there, and I'll just do my thing down here. That's not what that means. It means you go after him. You go after his thoughts because the Bible also says that we have the mind of Christ. Huh? Is that right? It says that we have the mind of Christ. So if his ways are higher, shouldn't our ways be higher than the world's ways? Shouldn't our thoughts be higher than the world's thoughts? Okay, good. Experiencing God's peace. That's number four. Man, I'm moving right through these. And friends, once that's taken care of, once, what he's saying is once you've overcome the, the accusations of the enemy, because God is greater, okay? And once you've overcome all those things, he said, and friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, because we're our worst enemy sometimes, aren't we? Aren't we sometimes our greatest accuser? Okay? He says once that you've overcome that through the blood of Jesus, He says, then, listen, we're bold and we're free before God. Listen, if we're bold and free, that brings peace to me. I don't know about you. If I know who I am in Christ, and I know my reality is kingdom reality, not worldly reality, and if I know that God loves me and he's forgiven me, I believe that brings kingdom peace to me. And I I believe that God wants us to be people of peace. That doesn't mean that you don't make ways because of your stance. It just means that God's called us to have peace in our hearts because we know whose we are. No matter what our circumstances, no matter what's in our bank account, no matter where we're at in life, we can have the peace that passes understanding if we're experiencing God's love and His forgiveness and, His, and knowing the reality of whose we are. Experiencing God's peace. And he says, Here's, listen, listen, when you do that, when you come to that place, listen what it says next. We're able to stretch out our hands and receive what we ask for because we're doing what he said. We're doing what pleases him. You know why some of your prayers aren't answered? I'm just going to be really flat out honest with you this morning. I was really flat out honest in the first, first service, and they all kind of walked out here like, <laughs> you know why your prayers aren't answered? Because you're not pleasing God. You're asking for things that God says, I, I, what are you asking that for? You're not even walking with me. You, you want to come to me? See, we would, oh, God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And he says, okay, obey me. But, but God, I don't, you know, I'm a fallen creature. I live in a fallen world, and i just got to do that, and I've just got to buy this, and I've got to just go there. I've got to experience this. And God says, no, I want you to live your life according to my word. Then you come to me and you ask, and I'll be so glad to give it to you. Because I know you're doing it within, the, within my will, within my purpose for your life. Listen, we ask for the desires of our heart. If our desires don't line up with the, his desires, then you can ask for the desires of your heart till the cows come home. And all you'll get is some cows off in the distance. Because they're not coming home. Whatever that means. <laughs> Wish we could edit that, but this is live. I love that. It says we're able to stretch our hands out and receive 
what we ask for because we're doing what he said. That's what my Bible says. I don't know if the New King James, I read it, but I don't remember what it says, but he wants us to do what pleases him. Why shouldn't we want to please God? Why shouldn't we want to please him? Why shouldn't we want to do everything possible to, to please our God? The God that saved us, that redeemed us, that has got an eternal life, he's preparing a mansion for us. You know, some people, you know why you don't receive it? Because you just don't believe what he's really done for you. You've not experienced. And you, you still, you're not experienced his love and forgiveness yet, so you're still holding on to that I'm not worthy thing. I just can't get there, God. I just I can't get there. He said, I know you can't get there. That's why I had to send my son to die for you. The fifth thing is experiencing God's presence. Again, this is God's command. It's not mine. It's his. To believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ. Wow. Personally named son. You need to believe in his son. He said, as a matter of fact, he commands that we believe in his son. Last week talked about the invitation, remember? A lot of people make excuses. Nah, not going to believe in him. He won't make you. He won't force you. He says, and this is God's command to believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. Listen, John walked with him. He was with him for three years. He heard all the teachings and he heard Jesus say, this is my, this is the commandment I give you that you love one another. He said, this is how the world will know that you're mine by the way you love one another. So John is echoing the things that Jesus has already said that have, I'm sure just keep pouring into his mind when he looks at all the turmoil and the things going on in the church. He says, Jesus said we are supposed to love him and we're supposed to love others. He said, in line with the original command, the original command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's your original command. As we keep his commands, say keep. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him. And he lives in us. And this is how we experience, say experience. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us by the spirit he gave us. Did you know the Bible speaks of the spirit of God that it will, it will show you, it will, it will, it will tell you that you're his. When you come to know him, it will bear witness. Your, your spirit will bear witness with his spirit. You don't have to guess about your salvation. You don't have to wonder about your salvation. Okay? If, you've, if you know that you know that you know, listen, he's going he's gonna to bear witness. He's going to bear witness in your spirit that he's given you life through Christ, through his spirit. But he says, this is how we experience his Deep and abiding presence. Listen, do you want to experience God's presence? Then you do it this way. You experience his love, his power, his forgiveness. And you walk in obedience. You can't live like the devil and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you expect to go, Whew, I want to be in his presence. You can't be living in rebellion living in, in just flat-out sin that you know is sin, that you know is wrong, and you think, I'm going to get in His presence. The Word of God didn't say that you can do that. You understand that? I, I would like to preach and teach that, hey, man, everything's good, everything's cool. We've been saved by grace, and all of our sins are forgiven, and you can just get into His presence in the midst of all the junk that you want to do in all the midst of your rebellion. 
you can ask for whatever you want, and God is going to give it to you. I don't think that's the way it works. I think he wants us to press into his glory, into his presence in a different way, to experience him. You see, when I talked about the reality of the Christian life, the, 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 the reality of God's reality, you walked in here this morning, everybody, you put your clothes on, you took your shower, you put your clothes on, you got in your car, and you came here, and you're a physical being. Everybody comes in here in the natural. All your stuff, all your junk, you just come in here in the natural. But we forget that we are spiritual beings. We're more than mere mortals. Sometimes we just reduce ourselves to mortals like everybody else. Even the Apostle Paul says, we're not mere humans. You ever hear that? We're not mere humans. But we act like it. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, listen, God says we can do all things through Christ. We're not mere mortals. We're we're different than that, guys. Mere mortals cannot come to the presence of God. Did you know that? We come to his presence through the power of the blood and through the spirit of God. That's how we get into his presence. Romans 8, 9 through 11 says, But you are not in the flesh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you if you're a believer. I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God dwells, see, spirit, the spirit dwells in me. Okay. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Listen, if you do not, if you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not trusted in him as Lord, then the Spirit of God is not in you. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I mean, that was there one day. Everybody else was in here that one day, in that place one day. You understand that. If, you don't, if, if you've never given your life to Christ, the Spirit of God does not dwell in you. And if, in, and if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. So when the Spirit of God comes in here into you, the, the, the victory over, over sin has been won by the cross. You understand that? We no longer have to sin. But I want to. <laughs> you don't have to. We need to understand that, church. When you, choo- when you sin, you're choosing to sin. Okay, it's not, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah, you just, you just did that. All right? Christ is in you. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. We've watered down the word righteousness, and, and I've been guilty of that. We've talked about righteousness being, I'm, I'm covered by the righteousness of Christ. That's true. My righteousness is this filthy right, so I'm covered with the righteousness of Christ. Right? Y'all agree? But you know what also righteous means? It means right living. Man, Pastor, you're just throwing water all over the roller coaster ride. I was having so much fun. Matter of fact, I want to get back on the roller coaster. Righteous means right living. Since when did we think we couldn't choose to live right? Make right decisions that honor God, that please Him. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give what? Life to what? Your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You become a spiritual being in Christ when he comes in. Your mere mortal bodies accept the spirit of God and things should change. You, me, we should change. 
If you said, I gave my life to Christ and your life is, shows no fruit whatsoever, if you're the same now that you were the day that you said yes to Jesus and nothing changed, your purpose, your plans, nothing changed in your life, you don't read the word, you don't. Listen, you need to question your own salvation this morning. Because I don't want to, I don't want to preach some, some gospel that's an easy believism. And one day you go and you stand before the judgment of Christ and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. But that pastor said it was okay. I have a huge responsibility to preach the truth. I really do. Maybe some of you don't understand that. I do not stand up here lightly. I don't stand up here and go, oh, I just want people to like me. I don't. I don't. I care if you like me. It's not true if I said I don't care if you don't like me. I like people to like me. But I'm not going to water down the gospel so you'll like me more. And I'm not attached to your pocketbooks one bit. So if you think you can tithe a whole lot and you can sin a lot just because you tithe a lot, well, you, you've got some really messed up theology. Matter of fact, I don't know what you give anyway. I don't want to know what anybody gives. Because I don't want that to skew the way I even treat people. I want to give it a chance, an opportunity to you know, me to get his foot in the door there. I know what I give. That's pretty much it. I have a responsibility to teach and tell the truth. As I understand it, I understand that. As God shows me, I understand that. But this week I've heard news. I mean, I've heard news of pastors, megachurch pastors, saying this whole issue of homosexuality, I think I'm evolving on my thinking on that now. Really? Somewhere in there, doesn't it say, I'm the Lord thy God, I do not change? Oh, I'm going to evolve in my thinking. And I wonder, are you doing that because you don't want to offend people because you're afraid they'll leave your church? I think the truth should draw people in. I think the truth sets people free. If you're sitting here this morning and you're a homosexual, the truth will set you free. Not the watered-down truth. That'll just make you more confused. When I begin exploring this whole thing, experiencing God in His presence, you know, he, she's, I had a different video, and he showed me, he said, let's show him a, show him a roller coaster thing. I thought, Okay, Lord, what does that represent in our life? Well, I had a two and a half minute high. That's what I had. That's what Wes had. I don't know if it was a high for Tressie. <laughs> Might be in, in still fear. I don't know what happened then, but two and a half minutes. You know, worship songs about five minutes. Sometimes we have a five minute high. Sermons 30 to 45 minutes. And I know that's a big stretch for some people, but that's their, oh, man, I need that. And by the time you get in the parking lot, you're fighting. By the time you get home, things have gotten worse. Man, I, I don't want that for the body of believers here. I, I want you to experience God 24-7. And I know, I know it's not about you. you you can't go to work and raise your hands and do praise and worship music at work. I know they would they'd fire you probably. It's not about that. It's, it's, we miss it if we think that's it. It's, 
It's seeing God in your situations, your circumstances. It's seeing God in your co-workers. How can I pray for them? It's a, it's a constant. If, if you really want to be in his presence, then you're always going to be trying to please him. And if you're pleasing him, then you're loving other people. If you're loving other people, you're praying for other people. If you're loving other people, you're helping other people. God is a constant in your life. And all these things, listen, if you want to really experience his presence, don't get out of his presence. You can write that one down. That was an amen one. If you want to experience his presence, don't get out of his presence. Oh, I just want want to get in the presence of God. Oh, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now I can go and do my own thing. Oh, I just want to get in the presence of God, and we just do our next thing. Listen, that's cool if you want to get in his presence in a tangible way like worship and praise. Now, that's cool. But he wants us to be in his presence because we are in his presence if we're living for him and obeying him and walking in his love. Amen. Whoo. I want his presence to be more than a worship song, a good sermon, a goosebumpy feeling, a Holy Spirit shot of adrenaline, or a two-minute roller coaster ride. And you know how you do that? You abide in him. Oh, man, it gets right back to that. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, and you ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. You want to glorify God, be in his presence, abide in his Son. Abide in his word. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Listen, if you start doing these things, you will bear much fruit. We will not be able to contain all the people that are going to try to get in this place. If you begin to abide in his presence, you know why? Because people love to be loved. They do. And God loves for us to obey him. He does. Would you stand? Just bow your heads. Have the ministry team come. Yeah, here's the question I was wanting to find. It's way back in the beginning. I skipped it. I have great notes. I just don't follow them very well. Just bow your heads. Close your eyes. Have you experienced his presence, his power, his forgiveness, his love, his healing, or his peace? Have you ever ridden a roller coaster? See, we can't live on our past experiences. I can tell you all day about that roller coaster, but that was 23 years ago. Here's the better question. Are you experiencing these things on a continual basis? Are you really experiencing God on a continual basis? Do you wake up with him? You go to bed at night thinking about him? During the day, is he on your your mind? He wants to be. So, Father, this morning, I believe there are people right here in this room that at one time they walked an aisle, they shook a hand, they maybe even went down to the water. But the, 
the truth of it is they never really experienced your love and your forgiveness. They, they experienced something, but it wasn't you. Because there's been no change in their life. If that's you this morning, here's, here's the answer to that. Just repent. Let him come and experience him today. You step out and come. I don't care if you've been a Christian or you say you've been a Christian for 20 years, but there's no fruit, there's nothing in your life that would even show that you're a Christian except that maybe you go to church once in a while. Because he wants you to experience him 24-7. He wants to be, on, he, he wants to be the, the name on your lips. He wants to be the name in your thoughts. Jesus. So if that's you this morning, I'm going to pray right quickly. And I want you to step out and come. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is for anybody. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not experienced his love and his forgiveness and the change in your life, I'm going to ask you to step out and come right now. In Jesus' name, Father, give them the strength. Give them the, give them the courage to step out and come. And say, yes, I need Jesus. I really want to experience his true love, his forgiveness, his power, and his grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you step out and come? You may have doubted your salvation. This is the day to make sure. Just step out and come. I, I've, I've been a part of services in the past where pastors got saved, literally got saved. They, they, they walked into a vocation said, this is what I want to do. Never gave their life to Christ. Is that you this morning? Step out and come. Step out and come. Don't be embarrassed. Listen, if there's anything, this is going to be a joyful occasion because God's going to do something in your life amazing. But if that's you this morning, you're not sure about your salvation, just step out and come. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Experience God. He wants you to experience Him. He wants you to experience Him this morning. Come on. Is there one? Amen. Praise God. 